This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Well, welcome to Business Influencers. Hope everyone is having a great week. Well, guess what? We're in the we're right now in the prime tax season time here, folks. And we got a special treat for you today because we're going to be talking about here fit top 15 audit red flags when it comes to your taxes, whether if it's business or for your personal self or family. We got the right person that's going to be sharing that with you. And before we talk about that, we do want to also acknowledge our sponsor. That is Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types. They also provide a new athletes corner, a great way for professional athletes that are transitioning into everyday life, an opportunity to lock arms with other athletes doing the same and creates a safe place now that you can now generate genuine, authentic relationships to help ease your transition into everyday life. Feel free to check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. Com. As I mentioned again, this is our topic today is going to be top 15 audit red flags. We are going to be uh, hearing from today uh, Rob Tamburi. Rob Tamburi is a CPA, PFS. He's the managing partner based out of Atlanta, Georgia, of the certified public accounting firm of Baylog and Tamburi, LLC. He has been a CPA since 1993. Rob manages the conduct of the firm's taxes, tax and financial consulting engagements. He specializes in taxation, accounting, and virtual CFO consulting. He also has an extensive experience working in healthcare, real estate, manufacturing, automotive services, logistics, restaurants, and personal service companies. Mr. Tamburi is well-known speaker regarding tax and economic matters and has appeared on CNBC, Power Lunch, and Bloomberg Television. Prior to forming Baylog and Tamburi CPAs, he successfully established the Tamburi Financial Group which specializes in investment management and financial planning. In 1989, Rob was recruited by Deloitte & Touche in New York City, joining their financial service sector, working with clients in insurance, real estate, and brokerage. Additionally, Rob served as an analyst at Bear Stearns & Company in their Commodities and Futures Group and held finance and operations positions in logistics and telecom industries. And most recently, from uh, 1999 to 2009, he was responsible for the finance and investment operations of a leading wealth management firm in Atlanta, where he functioned as CFO and led their investment committee. And without further ado, we welcome Rob Timbury to the show. Rob, how are you doing today? Thank you, Chris. I'm doing great. Man, I've been working a long time. I feel old. <laughs> you and me both. I. It's hard to believe that I've been going at this since 1990. And I'm like, oh, my God, where does the time go? It goes quick. Well, I know you're going to be, you know, you're 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 going to a really busy time, I'm sure, with your firm here, you know, with you know, as you do a lot of work with companies and and business owners and all types of individuals when it comes to taxes. And I know you're going to be sharing some valuable insights, oftentimes that people often overlook when it comes to taxes, when we're talking about the top 15 audit red flags. And I know you have uh, a, a kind of like a brief, like uh, some visuals that you like to show us. So we're going to bring that up. And I'd like you to kind of talk about that with the audience, because I feel like what you're going to bring today is going to offer a lot of value. And definitely people are going to have to you know, reach out to get some more information and how you can particularly help them. So let's bring this up real quick and we're going to get Rob to kind of share with us uh, what this is. 
And, and I'll follow your lead, Rob. So take us away. If uh, I know we did a brief intro there, but this is a little yeah. bit of information about Rob again, where they got offices in Georgia and also St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. This is a very timely topic because it's been all over the media the last few years that the IRS is not auditing returns. You read these articles that the rates of audits are lower than ever and your chances of being audited are so small. And Chris, what I think it's done, I think it's given people a false sense of security on their ability to understand their returns as it relates to being audited. Okay. Um, let me start by saying every item on your tax return is registered with the IRS um, using various audit scales called a diff um, signifier, which is basically a differentiator as it relates to zip codes, um, your industry, the type of work you're doing. So um, one of the themes we'll be speaking about here is that where you live and what you do does impact your ability to get audited. And um, depending the industries that you're in will also determine your ability of getting audited. So the point here is your chance of being audited may be greatly um, increased beyond that 1% that the media loves to tout as your audit risk. So let's just start with a few. Um, large changes in income. Okay, this may be obvious or it may not, but if one year you're making 300 grand and the next year you're making 50 and the next year you're making 200 grand, um, that is going to increase your chance of being audited. Why? Because the IRS probably believes there's money movement between years or you're doing things that perhaps you shouldn't be doing. Again, are you necessarily doing anything wrong? No, but it increases your chance of being audited. Um, over the years, people always say, um, if you've been audited before, there's a good chance you'll be audited again. Um, my research shows, that although there's no technical proof, I do believe if you've been audited before, it does increase your audit risk. Why? Because a lot of new clients come to me uh, and say, you know, Rob, I've been audited two or three years in a row. So being audited before, all things being equal, does probably increase your chance of being audited. Chris, what does that mean? Well, be extra vigilant, be extra careful. You know, make sure there's no errors on your return, no math errors. Um, make sure there's not, again, number swings from the prior year and just be extra careful, okay? Um, number three, round numbers. Now, is a number ending in zero or five bad? Of course not. But if a lot of numbers are ending in zero and five, what is the IRS gonna believe? You're estimating. You're randomly throwing numbers on a form. Again, proof of anything wrong, but no, but increases the odds of them selecting your return. You see, the key with an audit is you don't want your return landing on a human's desk, okay? So these diff indicators or some of these things we're gonna be speaking about, if there's various levels of flags, your return will be pulled. And if it's pulled and goes onto an agent's desk, then they're gonna look at everything on that return not just these particular areas. So the key is avoid getting selected. Um, with anybody with tax experience, they probably know over the last few years, there's been more and more conversation about foreign exchange, overseas bank accounts, cross-border transactions. Is any of that illegal? No, but the IRS knows if you're doing cross-border work 
or doing international investing, it would be harder for them to, I say, claw back or reach potential problems through overseas agencies. So those types of transactions will be looked at. Okay. Number five, conservation easements. All right. Anybody can Google this all over the internet. Um, this has been an IRS hot topic for abuse. Although they're legal, the charity deductions that these have been offering over the last few years have been led to a lot of overvaluations and fraud. And if any of your listeners have been involved with conservation easements, um, I would take a good close look at those returns because um, the IRS has stepped up audits as we speak um, on these conservation easements. And for your audience that may not know what an easement is, it's taking typically land that's highly valuable and putting impairments on them. Like a two acre lot, you convert it to a park. So you can't build on it or do anything. The value goes down, okay? And when the value goes down, there are there are tax breaks offered for those easements. And that's about as deep as I wanna get in on uh, this type of um, show. NOLs and NOL stands for large uh, and not large not net operating losses. Okay, if your business is running losses for various reasons, um, which will offset your tax liability now and future tax liability, the IRS is going to look at that. Okay, this one's my favorite. Okay, especially coming from New York, the infamous cash business, um, coin op laundries, beauty salons, um, auto dealerships much, much higher audit risk than, say, someone that just accepts credit cards, okay? Um, Coin-op laundries, you're putting quarters in, um, you know, paired salons are taking cash. Um, make sure you have good good books and records there because um, they know all the money doesn't get accounted for, all right? Um, number eight, charity. Now, you may say, well, why does charity um, raise a red flag? Um, two reasons. One, it's easy to candidly lie and um, manipulate those numbers. Um, it's easy to claim charity on items that you actually haven't donated. Um, and more importantly, um, it's an area where there's gray area. Um, are you donating something that's a thrift shop value? Are you donating something that's pretty new? Um, the rules here are pretty complicated in the sense that anything more than $500, you pretty much need a receipt from the, um, the charity organization. And um, if you donate automobiles and things like that, there are specific rules on what you can and you cannot do there. One thing I'd like to let your audience know is back to what I was saying about zip codes, all right? Um, I've lived in the South now for almost 30 years, and I can tell you, Southerners as a whole donate a lot more money to their religious organizations in other areas of the country. The IRS knows that. And they, t and they factor those zip codes in. Um, they expect larger charity donations overall on tax returns and certain Southern zip codes than New York or New Jersey. Um, and where you live matters. They will compare your donations and they'll compare a lot of these things to your average taxpayer in that area. Um, small business losses and hobbies, okay? Um, what I mean by this is there are a lot of people that really have hobbies and they use expenses on those hobbies on the form schedule C, which I have in parentheses there. And they figure, you know what, what a great way to deduct some of my expenses for my hobby, but it's not really a business. So there's two things here. One, 
Um, if you lose money on a small business three years in a row, the IRS can come back and declare that business a hobby, which basically means your expenses are denied and whatever income you have would be taxed. All right. Um, a lot of times uh, when two spouses are working, you know, maybe one earns a lot more than the other and the other has a quote side hustle or side business. And again, they're running expenses through you to try to get some of that income down. You have to prove there's a for profit motive. And I'm going to repeat that again. Is this a business? If you get audited for a hobby loss, it's on you to show the IRS that you're actually trying to make money. Well, what does that mean? Well, as an example, do you have a website? Do you have a separate business bank account? Do you have insurance on that business? Are you on social media? Well, if you have a lot of those, good chance maybe you are trying to make money, but it's always the famous facts and circumstances. Um, number 10 kind of ties into what I spoke about earlier in our show. Um, they're going to look at ratios, ratios of some of your expenses to income. They're going to look at your zip code. Um, look, they're going to look at your profession. All of that weighs into whether you're going to be audited or be at a higher risk for audit. Um, number 11, meals, travel, and business mileage. Okay. Um, the tax changes in 2017 eliminated meals, travels, and business uh, mileage for um, individuals as miscellaneous expense. But this is really for business owners. Okay. The, the IRS knows meals, travel, and mileage easily can be fudged. And there's a human nature to kind of just be a little aggressive with that. Well, with business mileage, you need to have a log. All right. Um, that's rule 101 on the audit rules there. You have to present a log, either electronically or in paper, showing your business miles and your real miles. With your meals, you need to have a business use and you need to have records of who you entertained and who you took out because there's areas there where they know they can easily disallow that. And that's what we love to call low hanging fruit. Um, you know, where can the agent go and take your legs out on an audit? They're going to go right after meals and travel and business. And I have a lot of realtors that are clients in, a, in Georgia and Florida. And that's one of the things we always take a look at. Um, you know, do you have the records to substantiate that? Okay. Um, number seven, losses on rental properties. A lot of people have gotten into the rental game, whether it's Airbnb or renting out a second home. And I can tell you that there's various rules on how you can deduct these things. All right. But generally speaking, over certain income levels, which the purposes of this, let's say 150,000, um, those losses are not deductible unless you have income to offset that. Okay. But there's a rule that if you're an active real estate professional, putting in certain number of hours per year, you can take those losses now. All right. And that is an audit red flag where the IRS has been going after these losses. You have to prove that you met those requirements. So read the details, everybody, on that. It's, it's, it's important. Um, number eight, home office. Before COVID, um, home offices were very risky write-offs because it was kind of something extra. The IRS has since stepped back a little bit with home office because after COVID, everyone's been working from home. Okay. But what's happened now, people have been aggressive with the home office deduction. Um, you know, adding in a lot of sidebar, you know, landscaping expenses as an example and things like that. Um, you have to be careful. 
you know, um, is it dedicated space? Okay, that's the first rule. If you do a lot of work on your kitchen bar and your coffee table, um, that area does not typically qualify for a home office deduction. The first rule there is it has to be dedicated space. So the details matter in this. And the key is you don't want someone looking at your returns. This is a hot spot, okay? And it's the second year in the row. It's been a, a big, big hot spot um, for the IRS, all right? Um, does the person you work with in your small business, are they an employee or a contractor? You can decide this as a small business owner, but you have to meet the rules, okay? You have to meet the rules of the qualifications. Well, you may say, well, Rob, why is this a hot area? Well, I'll tell you why it's a hot area. If you have a W-2, there's almost a 99% compliance rate that the person getting the W-2 is gonna pay their taxes. When you issue a 1099, it drops to about 75, 77%, all right? So that's the first reason why it matters to the IRS, compliance. The second reason, which most taxpayer, taxpayers probably don't realize, is the biggest tax collection is social security taxes. When you employ somebody, you're paying about 7.5% on top of what the employee has deducted from their check. And I wouldn't say they're sneaky, but let's just say they hide it very well. The social security tax is about 15.3%. So as you can imagine, that is the lion's share of what's collected by the IRS. So if you get a W-2, the IRS knows they're going to get that both sides of that compliance. Okay, because those payroll reports are done monthly. When you're an independent contractor, one, the compliance rate is less. And then you'd be putting various expenses, legal or not legal, to get that number down, all right? And then the Department of Labor wants to know because they're not getting their money on contractors. And if you let a contractor go, and chances are it may not be the best of terms, either for lack of business or a falling out, salt gets added to the wound, Chris, when they go to collect unemployment yeah. and find out they're not eligible. And everybody roots for the underdog. So what happens is, the fine people at the Department of Labor are going to say, tell me a little more. What did you do for this organization? And I can tell you, most likely they're going to come back and say, it sounds like you really were an employee. And then what happens is the the employer will probably have a, a labor audit where they're going to go back and reclassify that worker as an employee. Because the truth be told, most people that work for you are employees unless it's structured in a way that it, they're clearly contractors, okay? So to go through my points here, the number one, it's a payroll tax issue, okay? Two, if you wanna know if you qualify or not, Google the IRS 20 point test, and they're gonna list out 20 different things that they're looking for on whether someone is actually an employee. And if you drop down to my third bullet point, the number one reason is control. If you control what they do, you might as well not even read the other 19, they're an employee. So the way you kind of go about that is if you drop down a little bit, agreement and scopes of duties. So an example there is, if you give me an end product 
a certain date in the month and you're kind of free to take lunch when you want or you're not reporting into me those are the types of things that make it feel more like a contractor than an employee okay you can't tell them when to take lunch or when to take vacation it's a deliverable that the contractor controls okay um it's clearly facts and circumstances like everything with an audit so the more you can prove that they are a contractor the better and you can say well wh why is this a big deal well employers have an incentive to make people contractors because they're saving seven and a half percent of the compensation that they're not paying all right and with the huge tax with the huge tax deficits right now it's on their radar and we've been told directly by the irs it is okay so keep that in mind residency and working from home this is one of my favorite subjects and i could probably do a three-hour podcast on this the most the most important thing the group needs to understand is that what worked during covid does not work now okay a lot of covid restrictions have been released because most people are back to the office um a lot of people may be still working remotely or from their vacation house but the rules from a couple of years ago generally speaking are no longer in effect you need to speak with your tax advisor cpa or do your own research but be very careful here because the irs is short funded a lot of our states are not and the odds of a state audit right now are higher all things being equal than the irs and where it's really going to get you are what i call the two big tax states new york and california they are the most egregious on claiming that income is earned in those states and your risk goes even higher chris if you're claiming residency in a non-tax state yeah All right and although i've lived in the south for 30 years i still love to consider myself a new yorker you know i'm licensed in new york and i have clients there and family new yorkers love florida and a lot of people have second homes in florida and they think just because they have a, a driver's license and a florida plate on their car that all is good all is not good because they know what you're trying to do and the and the reach of these states go very far and they have their own rules so again depending what state you're living in new york new jersey the more you can do to show residency okay helps where's your driver's license do you own property have you released homestead exemptions where do you vote where is your car registered all right um one of the big ones especially for high income earners they can get your american express and visa statements in the event of an audit and new york specifically has a per day rule on how many days you're spending in new york and if your amex shows 85 charges per month you know on long island or queens or anywhere in new york you're going to be hard to prove you're really a resident of florida which means if you are a resident of florida you'll probably play non-resident new york tax because they're going to say you're probably doing things in the state so bottom line is know, know the rules know the rules on these areas and that the COVID exceptions um have expired wow okay great anything else you'd like me to share rob from here or are we, we good reasonable compensation um we're not going to get into the details here um if you own an s corp or a c corp and you are taking payroll you need to make sure that payroll is reasonable 
as defined by IRS statutes, speak to your accountant. And if you're not taking any payroll, um, you need to do so immediately. Um, this is a very hot topic. They're not paying in FICA tax. Um, it sounds too good to be true. It is. And we've already been told that the additional um, audits going forward are going to be in areas of reasonable compensation um, if you are an employee of a corporation. So please keep that in mind um, for 2022 um, and certainly for 2023. I just want the, the audience to know the verbiage on, uh, on cryptocurrencies has changed. Um, they're getting tighter. They know a lot of crypto is not reported. So please take heed that um, read what they're asking you to do on the returns this year about your relationship with cryptocurrencies. It's stronger than last year. Got it. So very, very important. Rob, you shared a lot of great information about, you know, some of the things that we have to look out for. What would you recommend? Like, again, this would be the first step. Maybe somebody's hearing this for the first time. Maybe they've heard it, but now they got more clarity. What do you recommend do they do? Do you, do you recommend they reach out to, you know, a, a, a professional like yourself, someone that, that understands this? I mean, yes, some, some people might do their own taxes and Maybe they may think they know all these things, but they could be missing out on something that could then bite them on the back end if if for any reason they, they fall short on something. Yeah, I mean, if this resonates with any of your viewers, um, you can certainly even pay um, a CPA or a, an enrolled agent, which are basically tax preparers as well, to do what I call a second look at your return. Um, it's much cheaper than paying someone to do the full return. Look at the return for reasonableness. Does any red flags pop out at them? And then if that is the case, then maybe choose a, a professional going forward or just be a little more attentive when you use TurboTax or your own software going forward. And just remember, the IRS can go back three tax years to audit. And if in those audit areas, if they detect fraud, which is beyond the scope of today's show, they can go back seven years at least. Wow. So people just don't assume you can do anything and not be audited is really my message to everybody today. Pay attention to what you're doing. Wow. And again, this is powerful because I could say that, that again, this is worth, this information is gold, everybody, because again, there, you don't want to be going through an audit. It can really, really, you know, take up a lot of your time. And again, take away from the other things that could be producing income and be a better use of your time. So these are things to be proactive on. If for any reason there is an air of doubt of what, what you're doing here, reach out to somebody, reach out to Rob, reach out to somebody that again, understands this these particular areas and do your due diligence. Rob, I wanna thank you for taking the time for being here. You've shared so much valuable insight and we wanna encourage all the listeners and those listening to reach out to Rob Timbury and to his CPA firm. Rob, what is the best way that people can get in contact with you or anything else you, that you'd like to leave with the uh, listeners? Yeah, I mean, my email is always best and myself. I mean, this is the world we live in today. Uh, my email is Rob, that's R-O-B as in boy, at F-L, that's Frank Larry, G-A as in Georgia, CPA.com. That's Rob at F-L-G-A-C-P-A.com. And my cell phone number is 770-853-0074. Wow, thank you so much. Again, we highly encourage everybody, don't take this for granted. This is a serious area, whether again, if you're an individual, a solopreneur, or a business, whether again, you have an LLC, a sole proprietorship, 
or you are an S or C Corp. Again, reach out to Rob. Rob is a wealth of knowledge in this particular area. And we hope everybody received a lot of value. Again, if you have to visually see what was shared, we encourage you to go to our YouTube channel here at Business Influencers with Tal Radio. That way you'll get to see the slides. And you can always reach out to us as well at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. We could also put you in touch with Rob to make sure that you get these slides sent to you firsthand. As I'm sure, Rob, that would be okay. And Absolutely. So with that being said, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, this is a busy time for you and you are here sharing so much value. We want to thank you again for being here. Thank you, Chris. I enjoy being here and I hope um, the audience has found this very helpful this tax season. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here with Business Influencers. Again, we are so proud of where the show is going because of you. And we'll continue to bring in subject matter experts like Rob to the show each and every week across many different segments to help move you personally and your business to the next level. So keep go out there and influence somebody. That's not persuading or convincing them, but be the example and empower someone to own their role and duties and to make decisions that are gonna move them forward. Till then everybody, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.